This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 38th episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at Rebecca at Homebodies Yoga. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Homebodies Yoga Podcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And I am so excited about our guest today. Our guest is Crystal Marie Higgins. And I actually, full disclosure, uh, interviewed Crystal in early January. And I am just now getting to edit and produce the episode. Um, I talked about it last week, but there was a big break, a lot going on with me. Um, But it put me in this interesting position because usually I conduct an interview and then I basically interview I basically edit it like the next day or you know a few days later but I've had a big break you know that was in early January and now it's May uh, between interviewing Crystal and editing and it really helped me to see our interview with fresh eyes and to um, hear really all of the gems that she shares I think you know sometimes things go over your head when you hear it twice in a row but hearing what she shares again I really it made me very excited to put this episode out. Uh, Crystal and I talk about um, kind of really two main things. One is creating a ritual, which she says is anything you do with intention. So creating maybe a daily or weekly, some kind of consistent ritual. And we also talk about um, ethical marketing. And I know Crystal because we used to teach together at Satori Yoga in downtown San Francisco. And uh, I taught an 11 a.m. class and she taught the noon and I used to take her noon class. And it was amazing because I would wake up very early that day and I taught these hot, sweaty vinyasa classes. And my commute was like half bike ride, half uh, train ride, also hot and sweaty. And then her noon class was this like in this room without windows, which she kept kind of dark and kind of cool room. Uh, where she practiced, I think it was something called like relax and renew, but it was like uh, a part relaxing vinyasa, part kind of restorative E class. And I just, it would always just like, it was almost like a new start to the day. Like it was kind of like going to bed and waking up again. And then I'd be like refreshed to teach the rest of the day. So yeah, I've always appreciated her as a teacher too. She has like a very big way of appreciating the more of appreciating simple sensation and getting the whole class interested in it too. Like getting the whole class like really fascinated with the supine twist, right? Because she has this way of like noticing small details. Um, so I've wanted her on the podcast for a while. Uh, the other thing that Crystal does is she works in marketing and she's particularly a marketer for small businesses such as yoga studios and yoga teachers in the Bay Area. Um, and she also is big on creating a ritual. Uh, and these are all things I talked to her about. I just want to read to you from her website what she does, though, since I feel like she's great at describing what she does. Uh, She says, my goal, whether we are working together on a marketing project or on the mat, is to discover where you are blocked, yet ready for growth, and open up to shift. I partner with my students and clients to help them reconnect to themselves as well as their strengths to find their inner resilience. And um, 
something she talks about in her social media and something that she has definitely talks about a lot in this interview is something called ethical marketing, meaning selling things not through fear or making the person you're selling to feel inadequate or anything like that, but rather selling things uh, by telling the story of what it is that's being offered. Uh, So Crystal believes that everybody, that storytelling is everybody's birthright and that part of a way to market that is ethical and genuine is by telling the story of what it is you're selling, the, of why you love it, of um, who you are and, and who you hope your clients to be. So I definitely recommend listening to this episode if you are a small business owner or a yoga instructor, which in its own way is a small business owner, or sending this episode along to anyone who you know who might fit that description, maybe uh, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. Uh, That is a great way, by the way, for people to find out about the podcast if you send along an episode. Yeah, and the other interesting thing about this interview with Crystal to me is that we talk in the beginning about ritual and creating a ritual. And I I found what she was saying really interesting, but um, I didn't feel like it would be something I would necessarily pick up in my own meditation practice uh, back in early January. One of the things she talks about is how every morning part of her ritual is connecting with each element. So earth and fire and air. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, I heard that and sometimes you hear something and you're like, I'm definitely going to do that. And who knows if you actually do. And sometimes, you know, I heard this and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, I think that'll probably work for someone. I'm glad it works for Crystal. But then these past months, I have found that same ritual of connecting to each element become a really important part of my meditation practice. Um, and I, I'm not even sure I would remember that I heard about it from Crystal unless I had re-listened to this interview. Like it feels like it would just kind of kind of got absorbed in my brain. And it's something that has been really giving me like a great comfort and grounding in the morning. So I have been connecting to through I've been lighting a candle connect to, to connect to fire. I've been doing a pranayama practice to connect to breath. I've been um, holding a crystal during my meditation to connect to earth. Uh yeah, so it's just interesting how sometimes, you know, you, you can tell yourself you're going to make a huge change and like, you know, I'm definitely going to do this thing this person told me about and then you end up not doing it. And sometimes, you know, these small, subtle things end up being so important that you just kind of tuck away in the back of your mind. And that's definitely the case with this. I've really found it to be, I don't know, it's given my meditation in the morning just a lot more consistency and just a lot more like I don't know there's something about it that feels just more real because there's I have all of these different elements included Um, another thing that made me think pause when I re-listen to this interview is she talks about Crystal talks about making one of your rituals be that you go for a walk and just notice your senses so what you see what you hear what you smell the feeling of the wind on your skin like that kind of thing and that is something my therapist talks about um when I'm spiraling, you know, when I'm like really going into grief or or, sor- or uh, anxiety and I need to kind of like get back to earth is to like really come back to my senses. Um, I just find it interesting that a lot of this like kind of like new uh, 
knowledge we have about the brain is so is so makes it so clear that a lot of ancient wisdom uh kind of knew what it was talking about not kind of did know what it was talking about but like you know without maybe the like science whatever the like what whatever scientists call it the studies or whatever to back it up but that this is something that you know that ancient wise people have known for a long time that connecting to senses is good you know another thing my therapist teaches is like four-part breathing which is just so interesting because it's like literally in um the which is a big part of both the yoga sutras and a lot of ancient ayurvedic texts um yeah so listen to this episode i think you're really going to like it, uh, especially if you're trying to create more of a morning practice or eat or whatever, afternoon practice, more of a daily practice or a ritual. If you're trying to uh, learn more about ways to get the word out about a side hustle or a, a yoga or, or your work as a yoga instructor or your small business. Uh, so without further ado, here is Crystal. Welcome, Crystal. It's so great to have you here. It's so nice to be here, Rebecca. Uh, so I want to get right into things because you call yourself a yoga teacher and marketer, which um, somehow completely seems to go together uh, in your personality and in your work, but might not seem like they go together all the way all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wanted to start out, uh, I know that you talk a lot about rituals and daily rituals. And I just was curious, like, right now, what are your rituals? Yeah, and that's such a good question. And I I do feel as though my rituals are always evolving as I'm learning and growing. And I'll back up and bring a bit of context into where my rituals are today. So I'm a yoga teacher, as you mentioned, and a marketer, but I also um, have been studying earth wisdom, the rhythms of the seasons, the cycles of nature and of earth. And been doing that in a formal way for about a decade, actually. So the way that I approach ritual is really informed by that work and my study. And particularly, I study um, with a yoga teacher, with another yoga teacher, who also started bringing in rituals and earth wisdom and the seasons and more of a indigenous perspective on living your life and being in the world. So my rituals really are informed by that. And of course, blended with yoga and my experience as a yoga teacher and as a yogi since I was really a teenager. But my rituals and the way that they look um, are simple yet really profound and meaningful. So every single morning I, I meditate, I create a space, I have an altar space where I come and I meditate and I have a journaling practice that I've been doing for years, for years and years. So I actually have this cute little um, kind of date book type calendar that's got the cycles of the moon on it and connects in with, um, you know, ancient holidays, earth calendar holidays of the seasonal turn. And I just check in with my journal and, you know, check in with all, all parts of myself. How am I feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? And I do, you know, a one minute journaling of how I'm feeling that morning. And this is before I open my computer or look at the phone or anything like that. I just kind of tap in in that way and light a candle and begin to close my eyes and connect in with the state of meditation. And the way that I meditate, it's really evolved over um, the past decade, but I really connect in with the seasons um, 
you know, where we're at right now, we're recording this in the very, very beginning parts of spring and the end of winter. So I'll just kind of connect in with anything that I'm feeling seasonally at that time, what's arising for me. I actually bring in um, an awareness of the elements in my meditation. So I'll connect and I do something very physically with the meditation where I'll light an incense or a smudge or some sort of sacred scent to connect in with air. And after that, I'll light the candle if I haven't already lit my candle and just feel into fire, connecting with the fire, the basic elements that are within all of us. And then I'll connect in with water and actually take a drink of water and feel that water go into my body. And the final thing is I connect with earth. There are many ways that you can do it. You can hold a crystal or a stone. You could take a bite of an apple or even, um, you know, feeling just your body, your muscles and your bones connecting in with earth through our physicality. So I do all of those things and connect in with my breath and grow quiet in the meditation. So that's a ritual I've been doing every single morning for many years. And it really lays the foundation for my day and helps me start the day in a way that feels clear. And this could mean, you know, different things on different days. Um, some days I do it longer and other days I'm sort of quick with it, you know, feeling my breath, lighting a candle, drink of water, feeling a crystal. But I do those very like um, tangible kind of um, earthy things to get me rooted and grounded with the journaling and dropping in for a few moments of silence. So that's the primary ritual. Um, and I also do a, a movement practice. So I do a yoga practice where I do a few poses and it evolves. You know, I, I tend to be a person who actually sticks with uh, a set of poses for a period of time. So I'll do like a twist, um, you know, a little bit of like a bridge pose if I'm trying to open the chest and heart at that period of time. Uh, maybe, you know, a little bit of like a lunge, a little low lunge and um, downward facing dog. And I always do tree pose every morning. And I have this practice of closing my eyes during tree pose and seeing how long I can go. And some mornings it's like five breaths and other mornings it's 20 breaths. Um, so those are the primary ways that I, you know, create that space in the morning. And I do it every single morning. And I try to really bring that sacredness into my morning time. So I, I try to actually wake up with the sunrise and be in that place of reverence. And I know not everyone has the time to do like at a full extended practice like I do, but even just a few breaths of connecting inward um, in that way, in a ritualistic way has really dramatically improved my, um, I feel like my clarity and my stamina. Um, to start from that place that's centered from within as opposed to ex, you know, externally starting your day. Um, is that the wee moon calendar you're talking about? Yes, it is the wee moon <laughs> calendar. I love it so much. <laughs> I do too. I totally forgot about the wee moon. That is a great, that is a great calendar. Mm -hmm. Wow. That brings me back. I feel like I moved to Chicago and I forgot about all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back in. Um, <laughs> or, there are lots of calendars, but I love that one. I also love it that you like tree. I feel like I like, I love tree, but it's never, I feel like teachers hardly ever teach it anymore. And it's such a good pose. Yeah. Such a it's foundational like, pose. <laughs> it, it feels so good. And it's like so accessible to, so to almost everyone. Like, I just feel like it's a great pose. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorites. Um, and I just want to back up a little bit because you talked a little bit about like the time parameters for people, if they're trying to set up a ritual and things like that, like, 
I guess let's just back up a little bit and say like, what, how would you define ritual? Ritual is anything that you're doing with intention. Mm -hmm. It's really carving out space and time out of our kind of day to day and almost hitting the pause button on all the busyness of life. So ritual could be taking a walk. Ritual could be um, connecting in, you know, with the natural world. It could be eating a meal in a way where you're doing it um, very intentionally and mindfully and invoking your awareness of the senses. So, you know, ritual is, it can be something that you do regularly, but it is something that you're doing with full presence and intention. So really all of life could be a ritual, right? If you bring that awareness to it, but um, it's not something that we're doing mindlessly. We're very aware when you're a ritual. And when you're helping someone get started on a ritual, um, would you say it's important that it's in the morning? I, I feel like most people, when they talk about rituals, it usually involves the morning, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, for me, I really like that start to my day. It creates the container and creating the container, as we know, is so important, right? The structure um, and creating that spaciousness for yourself right away just feels like a breath of fresh air. So I love it. I also have evening rituals before I go to bed. You know, I tend to read even just a few pages of a book and I have a practice. Um, I love having like a dream journal right next to me. And I have a whole dream ritual practice as well. So there are many ways to invoke a ritual. But I do think in the morning, if you are able to even just a few minutes of connecting, maybe drinking a cup of tea mindfully with your breath and doing that um, regularly or connecting. And like I said, with the elements or doing a few yoga poses, that can be your ritual if you bring true presence into it. And, and you said sometimes like you have to make it a little bit quicker, like you're having a busy day. Like, what would you say like shortest, shortest to longest you spend doing your ritual in the morning? Like what's the time frame? Yeah. Yeah. Shortest minute, a minute. Oh, wow. Connecting with my breath, feeling the elements within my body, feeling a connection to earth, feeling a connection to sky. And that, that could be the shortest, right? Um, and the longest couple of hours, <laughs> you know, I, um, I've definitely led and been in rituals that have been several hours long. So, you know, a seasonal turn ritual, or if I'm connecting with some of my friends who we like to do ritual together in a real, uh, mindful way, we'll, we'll do a full blown out ritual practice, um, which is really beautiful. Hmm. I love that. I love, I love like consistency, but also the the ability to be flexible. I think it's so important in creating any habit. Uh, So I really like hearing that. Um, Okay. I I was also curious. So let's say someone is like, okay, your ritual sounds really nice for you, but it's not for me. Are there other rituals that you recommend or other rituals that you have seen benefit people? Yes, I think connecting with nature is such a powerful way to be in ritual. And I do think that all of us benefit from that, right? We're all of nature and being in the natural world. Even if you don't view yourself as an outdoorsy person, we all benefit from breathing that clean, you know, air and from being in connection. So I would say uh, one great thing that I've seen people do is whether it's like once, once a week, once a month, once a day is to pay attention to your senses and take a walk. 
and don't, you know, do it by yourself if you can. If you have to be with others, that's all right. It's a little bit easier when we're by ourselves and we can just pay attention to air, you know, through the wind, through our breath, feeling uh, warmth or chill on your skin, right? Feeling, noticing, what are you noticing in your environment? Um, that can be a really amazing way to bring a ritual into your life that feeds you pretty instantaneously and it doesn't feel like homework or a chore. And I think that's really important um, to remember is that ritual is what you want it to be. And it should be something that feeds you and nourishes you and something that isn't like a, another thing on the to-do list, but something that you can return to with joy. Okay, so we kind of covered part of your um, life's work, <laughs> but the other part, which is kind of, seems sort of different, but actually in a way I think they're very related, is your work as a marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking a little bit off air, um, something I've seen a lot, well actually bef- before I get started on that, something you talk about a lot is ethical marketing. Can you just mm-hmm. define what that is for us? Yeah, it's such a really good question. And I feel as though, you know, it's something that I've been defining and feeling into for many years. A long time ago, it was about 15 years ago, I was actually in the corporate world and I was doing corporate marketing and um, had some health scares and other issues that helped me to wake up and realize that that wasn't my path. And one of the things at that time that woke me up was feeling just not aligned to the kind of sales, the way that um, we were pushing things towards people. And doing it in a way that is manipulative and um, coercive or fear-based. So, you know, I started noticing like a disconnect to marketing at that period of time. And that was, that was a seed that was planted in me. And I think that we all have experienced, of course, because we're here, we're in the modern world, um, you know, in I'm in America, right? We're in America. So we've experienced manipulative marketing, right? And to me, um, ethical marketing is actually reclaiming the components of marketing um, from like capitalism and from that kind of um, that style of marketing that's just treating us like um, products, right? As consumers, it's reclaiming that and bringing that awareness back in that we are actually storytellers, that humans um, throughout time, that we've always um, shared stories with each other. And we can reclaim marketing in a way where we're not doing it uh, to manipulate people or to trick people or to bring fear into the marketing, but that we bring in that storytelling and that sharing of whatever it is that you're offering to the world or whatever it is that you're, um, you know, hoping to get into more people's visibility, right? So marketing, I feel like it can be like, there's almost two camps in my vision. There's the way that we've all been kind of trained or viewed as normal for marketing. And then there's this, this storytelling of marketing and showing something to folks and then letting them decide without bringing in the manipulation and the fear-based techniques or tactics. So it's not like a quick answer, but there's, there's a big difference between those two different ways of sharing um, information with folks. And I'm sure that you've, you've felt it. You've noticed when something 
whether it's been kind of at the conscious surface or not, when someone shares something with you that excites you and drives inspiration in you and your immediate answer is yes or your immediate answer is no, but it's not coming to you from this like fear-based um, techniques, right? Or it's not coming to you from this place of just viewing you as a as like a commodity or a consumer, as I mentioned. I hope that answers it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, I think in, in a way what you're saying is like it's bringing humanity back into it, like thinking of the of your consumers or the people you're working with as people instead of as numbers. Yes. Which I do think is like, I understand how, you know, small business owners, yoga teachers, whoever, they get, they get kind of put down that road because, you know, it's a stressful work, you know, you know, as a yoga teacher, it's like not always easy to make money. It's not always easy to have an audience uh, and it's sort of stressful. And then I think people get kind of carried away in mm, trying to sell themselves or sell their their product, quote unquote, which whatever it is, um, I guess. Yeah. So one thing I, I was thinking about is last night, I, one way uh, just to get out of yoga for a moment, like definitely there's some like pretty fear-based marketing in to new moms. Like I see it a oh, lot, yeah. which oh, is yeah. like, I think so awful <laughs> because it's like such an insecure place for many women yeah. um, or many new parents. And one thing I saw was this woman was selling a, a car seat training. Like she was like a car seat expert. And she said something like, you know, uh, this percentage of babies die because their cars are installed wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of it was like, do my training. Like didn't mention like what could be wrong with your car seat. Like didn't give you the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, a part of me is like, well, she's just a bad person, but then the more (laughs) empathetic part of me is like, well, she, you know, is obviously stressed and is like trying to like, whatever, get people to buy her training course. And and I sort of understand that because we work hard on our training courses and all of that. Um, so I, I think in order for people to not get kind of carried away, like, do you have like boundaries or quote unquote rules to ethical marketing or a way to sort of think about marketing yourself that keeps you out of that icky zone. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say too, that it's also partially not our fault if we kind of get into this road of, you know, marketing with fear or whatever it is. And I'm sure that that person perhaps came to the training that they created because they wanted to actually help with this problem. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm sure there was good intention behind it. And we've all been trained really and grown accustomed to like, well, this is the way it works and you've got to do this. And, you know, cause that's what we've grown up with. So it's actually not our fault. And it makes total sense that then we would turn around and use those same kind of techniques to, to sell ourselves or our offerings or our products, even if they come from this place of you know, helping and doing better in the world and not doing, you know, icky things in the world, helping the greater good. So I just want to say that, that part of what I'm trying to do is help um, people remember that there's actually a different way and bring in that awareness of a different way. So some of the things that you can do to just notice um, within yourself, and this can be hard, it almost requires a bit of retraining for some folks, right, is to um, you know, it's interesting because there's a, there's a fine line, but to figure, to, to feel into the way that you're presenting something, am I using emotional manipulation? 
is a good question. Now, of course, maybe what it is that you're offering um, comes from a very emotional place or it denotes an emotional response. And that is all very human and good. But just like asking yourself, am I doing this in a manipulative way emotionally? And that can be hard to see, but just having the question there. Um, Another really important question is, am I using fear Mm -hmm. to sell? That might be the easiest one to point out because even though this mom, right, this person created this, um, this training that you mentioned, she's using fear and fear, unfortunately it works, right? Mm -hmm. It's our fight or flight instinct. So part of what I'm saying is actually very challenging for us to, to do in some ways because fear-based marketing works because it taps into that fight or flight, right? And we're conditioned to respond to that. So it's not like the easy road to do this. I want to say that, but it is, I feel like it's the way forward for us to like unhook ourselves from the distortions in capitalism, build a new way of communicating with each other and sharing things with each other. Um, For instance, you know, a very practical way I see people doing this is if they say only three spots left when there aren't three spots left to something. (laughs) right? Like I've heard of that or seen that. And I've even participated in that in the past. And, you know, that is something that I've definitely noticed trying to get that, you know, forcing people to buy right now. And it's, um, it's kind of a a little bit flexible with, with how you want to do this. So you want to create a boundary. You want to create a container. Let's say you want to fill a course and you're, you're clear that this is the date that you want to know whether or not the course is full. You're like, I want to know by this date. Then you could have a like, you need to sign up by this date. That is a container that you want to set. Um, So that's the difference between setting a container that's not fear-based, but one that is like practical and aligned with you and what you're trying to create. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, Yeah. That uh, definitely makes sense. And I actually remember when I was doing retreats well, I tried some of that, like only three spots left and it's not honest, but also it like doesn't work. And also a lot of the people who are coming on your retreats know you and they're going to know if there were three spots left or not eventually. So it feels like it ends up feeling really dishonest. The thing that really I thought worked best was um, making it very, making the website very easy to use, mm-hmm. which is actually technologically harder, but it works better. Like make it so it's one easy button that they push instead of like, you know, I know, for a lot of small business owners and especially I know for myself and, and a lot of other yoga instructors, like the technology piece is hard, but if that part is smooth, it's much easier to, yeah. for people to sign up. Like if you make it hard for them to sign up, they, it's harder for them to sign up. Like exactly. Just the facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're creating a boundary actually, when you make mm-hmm. it harder, when people have to like contact you to do this and that, or, or whatever, go through like four or three, four steps. Mm-hmm. You're actually creating more walls. You know, mm-hmm. it's important to bring the information out, but yeah, make it easy, present it in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just kind of in that vein, like I, you know, I, I have no experience with marketing, um, or like I sort of bumbled my way through it, <laughs> uh, but no formal experience, no, have never worked in it. Um, and but I can tell when I'm looking at you know someone's website or a some other piece of marketing, I can tell when it's professional and when it's like 
it feels like very business and very professional. And I can tell when it feels like kind of like homegrown and not as professional. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like things that you notice, like just quick things that you notice that could easily be adjusted to just make it a little bit more polished that, that maybe a yoga teacher or someone like that could work on, on their website or, or their marketing material or anything like that? Yeah, I would say going back to the story, so many people forget about that. So when you enter a website, having a little bit more about, about why you're doing what you're doing at the front, you know? So if you drop into my website, I worked really hard to create some statements about who I am as both a teacher and a marketer and really who I am and whatever it is that I'm offering, right? So really sharing, I mean, mission statement is one way to say it or something that, that draws people in with like why you're doing this work. Why are, why are you offering this work in the world and who are you hoping to connect with, right? So if you look at professional websites or websites with folks who have connected in with this, it's about that story. It's about dropping in right away with like, who you are and being like not too crazy lengthy about it, right? Like one sentence, maybe two, something that really pulls people in to the experience. That's the number one tip and having that front and center on your website. Cause so many times people just assume Mm -hmm. people write the website from their perspective and assume people make it actually hard for others to get interested. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they go in and there's almost this assumption that people know you, but they don't, maybe, maybe they know you, but maybe they don't know you. And even if they do know you, it would be great to captivate someone and pull them in. And I really think of it as like a form of magic, right? As a form of like bringing in this, like, okay, what, what's happening? And that way, um, almost like, um, I'm trying to think of the word to describe it. It's almost like, um, poetry, right? Or, or a really good book or um, quotes, right? That just immediately captivate you with their meaning and their essence. And that can take a long time to develop. But I think uh, having that at the front and center and having, um, of course, imagery that denotes who you are and that captivates people at the front and having some sort of way that they can connect with you right away. They might not be ready to take a full class yet from you or whatever it is that you're offering. So I would say start with people from the beginning and offer something so they can get a taste of who you are, right? So that's like a a frequently known as like the sign-up offer or something like this on the website. So folks can like learn about you and get some sort of practice or drop into a teaching of yours or something like this um, that people can really get a taste of who you are at the beginning and then go into like the details and the more fine-tuned things. Um, but that's where I would start. And that's typically where I start with clients is making sure that these pieces are there and it can take a while to bring those pieces in, in a really clear way, or it can happen, you know, in a day. Yeah. When you were talking, I was thinking like a lot of what you're saying, um, is just, is asking people to be more deliberate and thoughtful, Mm -hmm. um, 
because I think a lot of like knowing your story, especially being able to tell a story in a short way actually takes longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was a creative writing major. So like, I know like the, you know, sometimes the more you edit something and the more you work on something, actually the shorter it gets and the more crystallized it can get. Yeah. I really like think of it as like a poem, right? Like take every word you don't need out and really yes. the essence of yourself. Mm-hmm. I do think your website does a really good job of doing that. And that definitely that'll be in the show notes. So if anyone's interested, Crystal's uh, website will be in the show notes. Um, are there uh, certain yoga instructors, specifically yoga instructors or yoga studios that you and in- you admire their marketing? It could be something you worked on too, if it's just someone you really like or anything like that. Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, one, and it's it's interesting because as a marketer, I don't necessarily admire folks for their marketing because they're doing like things all the time. I frequently admire folks for their marketing if it feels really authentic to who they are and really resonant um, for who they are in the world. But that's such a good question. Um, you know, I would say uh, there's actually, it's called the Witch Wave podcast. And um, Pam Grossman is the the woman who leads it. And I feel like she is incredible at marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that she shares her podcast, the way that she is herself and brings her presence on Instagram um, is lovely. And then in terms of um, yoga and the yoga realm, you know, I worked with Danny Pompoon of Home Studios here in San Francisco. I think that they do a great job of sharing who they are uh, with their audience and uh, really being authentic to what they're building and creating. Um, they've done w- really wonderful things and wonderful work. Also, there's a local apothecary that I love very much called the Scarlet Sage. Uh, it's on Valencia Street. And I think that their marketing is amazing, um, mainly because they really know their audience. So they share all kinds of herbal uh, products and um you know, amazing courses. And uh, they really are a voice for the neighborhood too. Their Instagram is wonderful. I think their email marketing is really good. They offer tips and insights and, you know, astrological um, bits, uh, both on their newsletter and in social media. I think they do a wonderful job. In terms of teachers, um, there are so many folks who do a great job, but Let me think here for a second of the folks that I'm really inspired by. Um, You know, I I think that, of course, the folks like um, Janet Stone, who are, have been doing it for many years, obviously, you know exactly who she is and what she's teaching. And it's very inspirational. I also love Shiva Ray. You know, I studied with her for many years and you know exactly who she is. Um, Locally, Sarah Ezrin is also really incredible at marketing. Mm -hmm. She's a mom. She has a lot of real talk kind of advice and very raw and the yogic perspective as well too. So, I mean, there are so many different types of folks and I follow a lot of activists, social activists that I love um, too, that do such a great job. And, um, but yeah, gosh, I could keep talking about (laughs) why I like different people's marketing presence, but you know, you don't, you also don't have to be posting all the time, mm. right? Or you do not have to be doing it in the same way that other people do it. I think just sharing authentically and sharing in some sort of frequency is good. 
you know, and it helps with the the algorithms and all of that, but really sharing meaningful posts and playful posts, a combination of those things that are very like, if people knew you, if they, you know, know who you are and they looked at your Instagram, would they be able to tell it was you or your mm-hmm. email marketing? And if, if they can't, then there's something off there. Hmm. Yeah. Just as a way to get to know you better. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also, I completely agree about Scarlet Sage because I feel like they don't really ask you to buy anything, but they're just yeah. always giving tips. So you're always going back and then you're always like, well, I do need this. And then you end right. up <laughs> getting something. Yeah, it's like they occasionally have something they're promoting if something's on sale, but it's mostly about sharing an offering to the community. And through that spirit of generosity, they're sharing the herbal wisdom and knowledge and astrology and all of that. And then people are more inclined to want to support that business because they're receiving so much. It's like a sanctuary. So that is really beautiful and such a good model, you know? Yeah, I actually think it's almost like a metaphor because this is getting very deep into San Francisco. So people not who haven't been there, sorry. But Scarlet Sage is one of those places you just always want to stop into because it's like yes. very welcoming and comforting and it seems like it has, just feels like very well, it feels very nice to be in there. And then you end up, getting things that you want or need from there a lot because you're in there all the time. And I feel like that's like a good way of thinking about social media. Like it's like, Oh, like if you keep, you know, if you have people coming because it's a welcoming place coming to your page or your newsletter or whatever, then, you know, eventually when you're, you know, selling something or or trying to, you know, fill a class, people will come. Yeah. Yeah. And um, absolutely. I agree. And one thing that I'm really been leaning into more lately, which is kind of the opposite of, what you would think of someone who's a marketer is to, of course, share yourself on social media, but don't give everything away Mm -hmm. because your time is valuable. Your teachings are valuable and you should also be um, paid for that or, or given some sort of, um, you know, exchange for that. So I think it's really important to share and be authentic and real, but also like, don't give away everything. (laughs) mainly because of your time and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, something else that I come across a lot when I'm sort of looking at marketing is I think there's this like very fine line between um, sort of empowering people and saying like, you know, you can do this, like this is something you could do. And also, and like the other side of that, which is like kind of making them feel insecure as though it's not Mm. enough for them to do it. Mm. So I guess the other thing besides fear, I guess maybe it sort of is a type of fear is like this insecurity piece that you can create in your marketing. I think that one can happen accidentally a lot two. Is there like a certain question or or a way to kind of think about that to make sure that your marketing isn't leading to that? Yeah. I mean, I I think that you're bringing up a really big part of what I've noticed myself as an entrepreneur and a a deep um, question and inquiry that will come up for anyone who's offering themselves in the world. And it's this thing about being worthy. Mm. I believe what you're talking about is alluding to that. And really trusting um, that you are worthy, that if you're inspired to share something, if you're learning something, that there is someone out there who will resonate and likely multiple people who will resonate with what it is that you're sharing. So, you know, in terms of trying to weed that out or um, remove that from your marketing, I think that when you do the deep work of really connecting in with like, I'm enough, this is worthy, you know, it's the imposter syndrome, right? 
it shows up for everyone at some point, even people who are seemingly immune from our perspective to it, it will show up for them in a different way, right? Um, but just continuing to do that inner work of watching that when it arises and, you know, going in with it in a way that feels supportive for you and being like, what's this really about, right? And sitting with it and, you know, being, um, being in communion with it, but in a way where you're not letting it lead, I think is really important because it will arise for every single person who's putting themselves out there in some way. So doing that deep kind of shadow work with it is, I think, the probably the only way to truly make sure it's not there. And also, you know, read, have a friend, someone who you're close with, who will be real with you and not just tell mm -hmm. you it's good when they actually have like feedback. Try to maybe even an entrepreneur group or some sort of another teacher that you're close enough with who can read something and offer some real feedback in a way where you feel supported. Having kind of a shared community where people can bounce ideas off of each other and help each other also can, uh, can support us when we're not always able to see it. Maybe we're a little bit blind to something because we haven't actually done that work in that corner, in that space where it's showing up in our marketing, but really um, doing the work and then having community helps. Mm -hmm. I love both those points. Um, but I do know also that there's a point where in a small business or for a person promoting themselves or their work or their offerings, um, there's a point where they need someone like you, like they need a professional. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people wait a little too long or perhaps they bring you on too early. What is like a time where someone can look at their work and say like, okay, actually right now I, I need a crystal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that um, it's most effective when people, I can work with people at any stage, but I found it to be most effective when people are at a point in their marketing or their business where they, they feel like they don't understand maybe like either how to go to the next level with something if they know that that's um, like, oh, I want to offer this, but I'm not even sure how to go about like, you know, telling people about it or sharing it, or if they're stuck in a way where they're thinking like, oh, I've got these offerings, but I need some support around it, or quite practically, like I just don't have enough time, or I need a little bit more guidance on how to spend my energy to most effectively promote something. Um, people come to me a lot of the time when they want to just fine tune their marketing and do it in more of a, a streamlined way. Maybe they're a type of person who's good at the creative stuff. I get that a lot, but not so good at the business stuff. So working with them, with their creativity to help um, channel it and guide it. So that way we have like a plan, a clear plan can be helpful. Sometimes people come to me um, occasionally a little too early. Um, mm -hmm. Now I can work with anyone, but if, if they're not clear on like what they want to offer, if they're not sh sure what's working yet or what isn't working yet, those can be times when it might be a little too early. I think it's important to figure out like, okay, what's my niche or what am I really inspired by or what are people resonating with? I think it's important to do that work and someone can help and guide you. It, it might be me, but it might not be me if you're at that stage, right? But just trying to fine tune your energy and your resources and grow in different ways. That's, that's what I like helping people with. That's great. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. Well, I, 
really enjoyed speaking with you. And I know that everyone like listening. So where can people learn more about all of your offerings, your yoga and ritual and marketing offerings? Yeah. So, you know, I would say there are many places, but my website, crystalmariehiggins.com. I also love sharing on Instagram and on Instagram, you get a little bit more of my personality. It's just Crystal Marie Higgins um, on Instagram. And, you know, I love sharing rituals. I love sharing photos of sunsets, (laughs) photos, photos in nature. I love connecting in, um, you know, with the seasonal rhythms. I have two adorable little cats. I love sharing photos of them. So, you know, folks can find me on Instagram and I'm also, um, really socially active and conscious and aware and trying to continuously, you know, everything that I do offering for the, for the awakening of all for the greater good. So I definitely share um, social posts and um, ways to be active and ways to connect in with um, everything that's needed, uh, everything that we're shifting in our world today. So those are the main places that folks can find me for sure. Okay. One more quick question. You ha- I just thought of is Facebook over for marketing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a love hate. I mean, not really love anymore, mainly a challenging relationship with Facebook. Um, you know, I'll admit maybe I'll go on there like once every couple of months, but I don't really go on there that much. I know some people are still using it personally. I have gone away from it because of everything that has happened politically with Facebook. Now Instagram is owned by Facebook, so it's still a little bit muddy, but, um, for me, Facebook, I'm not really on there as much. Some people still find it to be a useful tool. I have not found it to be useful to as a re- tool as of recently, I have, though, interestingly, still run ad campaigns for some clients on Facebook and Instagram, and those are still yielding results and traction for people to grow their audiences. So people are absolutely still there. Me personally, I'm not really so inspired by the platform anymore, though. Fair enough. Okay, well, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on. Of course which is literally in, oh no. I hope you got as much out of that interview as I did. Um, Her philosophy about um, promoting things has been really helpful for me in thinking about even this podcast, Um, just thinking about more as a story I want to tell than something I'm trying to like sell or shove down your throat or something like that. Uh, So I really appreciated her perspective. And as you know, we talked about already how I have been really loving my morning ritual. Um, So one last thing, if you are still listening and there is a person that you think uh, would be great for the show, I am looking at the season ahead and uh, guests for the show. So if there's anyone specific, if you think you'd be great in the show and you'd like to talk about your yoga practice or your life or whatever, um, let me know. If there's a person you're dying to hear from, let me know. I will try to get up the courage to email them because that's always hard too, <laughs> to be honest. Um yeah. And as always, please like and, and review uh, to support the show. Uh, also following helps to following homebodies, uh, rate, review, follow. And if you think this episode would be helpful to, to someone, please send it right along. Um, yeah. So thanks. Happy practicing. See you next week.